Welcome to Jazz Spotlight with Ken Boyd, presented by the soft jazz radio station EasyJazz.fm. In this episode, Ken talks to California jazz artist John Armato about his debut album, The Drummer Loves Ballads, which was 40 years in the making. Now, here's Ken. Recording artist Paul Keller says, let it be known that I think your new CD is fantastic. It's a thing <laughs> of beauty. We're talking about the album called The Drummer Loves Ballads. And our guest today is John Armado. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, my gosh, Ken. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So you grew up in Kansas City. So where did you find jazz there, my friend? Well, I mean, it's certainly a part of the history of jazz. But I found yeah. it first in my parents' Magnavox console. Uh, just growing up with music in the house. Uh, my dad wasn't a musician, but loved good music. Mm-hmm. My mom had uh, studied piano as a kid, played clarinet in the high school band. And uh, they they started dating in 1955, and they used to go to jazz clubs in Kansas City. And so I grew up with uh, LPs in that Magnavox by Dave Brubeck and Nat King Cole and June Christie and you know, sort of popular music of the day like uh, Anthony Newley, some Broadway stuff, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, a Henry Mancini collection. It was all kinds of just great stuff that that I just it was always sort of swimming in that sound as a kid. Yeah. And speaking of being a kid, John, tell us about the uh, red snare dream you had. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly why it was red, but, you know, I always knew I wanted to, to, to learn to play drums and I was begging my parents for lessons. Uh, no teacher would take a kid under the age of eight at that time in our area. And so one week after my eighth birthday, my parents uh, took me to my first drum lesson. And so around about that time, I, I was you know thinking about drums a lot. And uh, I had this image of a red sparkle snare drum mm. and when you know you're a little kid you might have nightmares or you might be a little scared about this or that and I, I always pictured that as i drifted off to sleep i think i was thinking about that drum it was my happy place cool. and uh and to this day actually i'll still think about the, that sort of image to calm the mind now a year after i started taking lessons mm-hmm. i got my very first drum set because my parents had been given some advice by a, a a band teacher my dad was a teacher a band teacher at the junior high that my dad was a counselor at mm. said well you know make sure john's serious first before you buy him an instrument so for the first year i practice on uh telephone books and sears catalogs those were my drums but a year <laughs> later dad came home with this used drum set it was a red sparkle set except for the snare drum, which is blue sparkles. <laughs> uh, that must have been thrilling, though, right, for a boy to get the, the that big drum set? Best best day of my life. It was it was just it was just huge. It was wonderful. Um, and you're allowed uh, to play anytime you wanted. Or did they have set hours? And, OK, you, you know, I don't, re- I don't remember. Seven. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> a real strict set of rules, but we had a classic, you know, um, uh, suburban split level. And so I had a little corner in the basement where I could set up my drums and um, I would practice. Yeah, I, I definitely had to be sensitive to, you know, early and late and when other things were going on. But I, I got to tell you, when I think about it, you know, because I, I took lessons for seven years and then was in the high school music program and, and didn't study privately at that time. But for about seven years, I was playing in the basement, you know, practicing for those weekly lessons. And I can't imagine 
the sainthood that my parents earned. <laughs> <laughs> you get that right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a drummer, and I wouldn't want to listen to a little kid uh, <laughs> learning drums for seven years like that. So, so what they was were your first band, John. When you first got into a real group, or did you? Well, so it's interesting. You know, I've 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 kind of learned over the years. People tend to take a couple of different directions. And there's the steady band kind of thing, kids forming a band, getting together in the garage or the basement, whatever, and, uh, and doing that, or you join a working band, or there's sort of the sideman route where you you just play with whoever calls uh, whenever something comes up. And I kind of came up as a sideman. I wasn't a part of a steady band, but occasionally some other kids and I'd get together and just have a little jam session or something or other, but no real bands. Um, and then when I, I got my, I had my very first professional gig, Sorry, there's a motorcycle going by. It's probably sounding loud on your end too. Right. Uh, but my uh, my very first professional gig was when I was uh, a junior or senior in high school, um, and it was uh, with the Ink Spots, the '50s act. Wow! And and it, the the assistant band director at my high school was a drummer, and he'd gotten the call to play this this gig, and it was uh, a show followed by a dance, and it was fairly far out uh, on the on the uh, you know, outside the main city of, of Kansas city. And so I think he honestly just didn't want to haul drums and be out late. So he said, Hey, Armado, uh, you can do this. You take your drums and uh, I'll play the show. And then you play the dance. And uh, basically he left after the show and then I packed up and came home, but still it was, it was a paying gig. It was my first pro gig. What and it, was, huh? it was really exciting. But, but from then on, I, you know, my whole pattern as a, as a professional player was with booking agents and contractors and individual band leaders. And I played with all kinds of people. I played, you know, everything under the sun. Yeah. You were like, you talked about ghost bands. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, famous name bands like the Glenn Miller Orchestra or whatever. Uh, obviously the original personnel is no longer around, but they would, they licensed their book, then the rights to their name to, you know, uh, somebody to carry on the, the, the tradition. Um, and those became known as ghost bands. Um, and so I, you know, I played the platters, I played the drifters, uh, the Jimmy Dorsey orchestra, uh, the Guy Lombardo Orchestra, um, a lot of those kinds of things in the in the early '80s, especially uh, ghost bands would do little tours or whatever. Um, a learning curve. Yeah, I mean, it was a great way because you're you know you don't really have a, a, a rehearsal with those kinds of bands. You just kind of show up and are expected to read well. Um, with the big bands, it was, it was like it was all about the book. You just you had to read. And uh, with the with the 50s uh, vocal acts, like the Drifters, the Platters, Fantastic. there might have been charts or maybe not. But basically, you get maybe a half hour with the music director uh, before the show and they just talk it down. OK, watch out for for bar 32 here. We're going to go to double time or, you know, I'll cue the retard at the end or watch the guitar player for the solo, whatever, you know. It'd be a, a talk through and then you'd go out in front of thousands of people and do it. Uh, and that was a great education. Jazz is like improvised. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I love that about this particular art form is that everybody kind of comes up learning the standards, learning the vocabulary and the traditions. And that allows you to just kind of move freely from group to group or situation to situation, because as you develop those skills, you're mm -hmm. able to adapt to the moment. Yeah. And you say this album's 40 years in the making. And I know there was like, I think 25 musicians involved in the, putting this album together. Yeah. But maybe yeah. you want to talk about some of the musicians, John. 
Yeah, uh, thank you for that opportunity. So it's actually, I think, 28 musicians. I say it's 40 years in the making because this album started in a moment of rejection and it became an album rooted in reflection is the way I think about it. Uh, So when I was 17 years old, went and played my very first jam session in Kansas City. And uh, it was the typical sort of jam session of a bunch of young kids trying to impress each other, play higher, louder and faster, that sort of thing. Band leader at one point said, uh, hey, what do you guys want to do next? And I said, well, how about a ballad? Because I always love ballads. And he just looked at me like I was insane. Uh, <laughs> I actually recorded a, 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 a narrative uh, introduction telling that story. That's the first track on the album. And I'm playing drums behind it. Um, but so in that moment, I was sort of rejected. My my idea and my love for ballads was rejected. Um, but I always, I always thought this guy had this look on his face like, I'm trying to run a jam session and the drummer loves ballads? You know, it's not, it's like I was insane. And I always thought the drummer loves ballads. That's an album I ought to make someday. And so the idea came to me in 1981, and then uh, we didn't start work on it until 2017. Uh, 2018 is when we went into the studio and started recording. So uh, I had this vision of working with as many of my favorite players as possible, people I'd grown up with or come up with in Kansas City. By this time, I had already moved from Kansas City to New York. I lived there for a while. Uh, Then I came out to Sacramento, California, where I am now. But I wanted to work with people that I had uh, adored in my early days that I learned from or I just thought were great musicians. So uh, the quartet, is Wayne Hawkins on piano. He he was somebody I started working with in college. He's uh, about seven or eight years older than me and a a total pro. Came out of the University of Miami, I think. Incredible player. Knew I wanted Wayne on piano. The bass player is a guy named Gerald Spates, another just mainstay of the Kansas City scene that I got to work with fairly early on in my career. And we'd done a demo recording together for uh, a jazz vocalist named Lisa Henry who's also on the album. Uh, and then the guitar player, Rod Fleeman, um, is, was one of the first real pros I met as I kind of came up. And the thing about Rod is he plays every note of every gig as if it's maybe the last chance he's ever going to get to play. He's the, su- the, the most superb shining example uh, of any musician I know of always making it real music no matter what the situation and giving it his all. And I just always loved playing with Rod. And so uh, I asked them to be the quartet. They all agreed. I was thrilled. And then I started looking at uh, guest artists. So each one of the quartet has a featured number on the album, but then all the rest of the tunes are guest artists. Um, And they range from emerging uh, incredible young talent to real legendary veterans so yeah, tell us about lucy lucy Winans. yeah yeah lucy winans is probably the youngest uh artist on on the album she's in her early 20s and is uh, an incredible vocalist uh who's wrapping up recording or getting uh, doing production on her first album but this is actually her national recording debut as i understand it uh, i've known her since she was a toddler she's the daughter of a, of a high school friend of mine a woman named Lisa uh, Smith, who uh, I've been close with for years and years. She had twins and uh, Lucy and Sana, and I've known them since they were little kids. And Lucy decided she wanted to sing and she studied jazz. Her dad is a brilliant uh, Dutch stride piano player. Um, And uh, she's just incredibly gifted. And so I knew I wanted to use her on something. And we came up with the the Shadows of Paris as a vehicle for her. 
it's yeah fantastic. it's kind of the it's kind of the shining gem of the album i think it's so you know sultry. it's got a, a full uh orchestral arrangement and uh incredible solos by um by rod on guitar doing sort of a django reinhardt kind of gypsy jazz thing um the late jeff lisenby is a guest artist on accordion on that tune to give it sort of that french cafe sound mm -hmm. he was another one of the earliest pros i ever worked with uh unfortunately we lost him to covid um not long after we'd we'd recorded uh but uh you know so there's all these this personnel there's a viola solo toward the end that is by a german uh um musician named Stefan Drabeck, mm -hmm. who is, has one foot in the classical world, one foot in the jazz world, and uh, recorded for us in Bremen, Germany, and sent us his track, and wow. um, was a brilliant addition to it. There's even a little spoken word uh, French recap of the lyrics at the end by a woman named Carol Barr, who's a French teacher mm -hmm. and a jazz lover uh, that I I met years ago and so we just blended a whole bunch of elements on that tune uh but lucy is 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 a star uh, yeah, a star in the making yeah sure. on the other end of the spectrum you have um houston person who i think is 87 years old or so and uh has recorded i don't know 75 albums as a leader in his career He's sort of the the icon of soul jazz and that real sultry tenor sound with a little bit of soul and, uh, and R&B influence as well as the traditional jazz. He plays a duet with Warren Vachey, who's another legend on cornet, who I met uh, in New York and had a chance to play a couple uh, gigs with. And uh, I was able to get both of them through a mutual friend in New York, and uh, they do a duet on Don't Worry About Me. And... Um, Warren also does um, uh, a beautiful solo on Dreamsville, the, the full opening cut on the album. Yeah. So those are a couple of extremes. In between, we've got other vocalists. Lisa Henry on At the Trocadero is a, a brilliant, uh, I think it was a song stylist. She just always tells a story. And I've known her for 35 years or so. And she uh, has toured the world as an ambassador of the Thelonious Monk uh, Jazz Institute. Uh, and she was a part of that competition at one time. Uh, gosh. Um, you mentioned uh, your time you... in New York, John. Tell yeah. us about the jazz scene in New York when you were there. Well, so I actually have a day job and music is my other day job. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm as fully involved in it as I am anything else. Uh, but, uh, I was in New York actually as a part of a corporate move. I was there uh, for the agency that I work with and I kind of had this talk with myself before I moved to New York because uh, I knew, you know, that's Mecca. Uh, and I thought, you know, the last thing New York needs is another part-time drummer. You know, it's like, you know, you, you have to live it and breathe it if you're going to make any inroads. And so I kind of resigned myself to, okay, I'll use this time to get out and listen and really just absorb the scene, but I'm not going to have any pretense of trying to make it in this town, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, first week I was there, I met um, through a mutual friend, Ann Phillips and Bob Kindred. Ann's an incredible jazz singer and a legendary um, composer, producer, arranger uh, on the New York scene. She's in her 80s now. Bob Kindred, who has since passed away, uh, uh, was... A, a fantastic tenor saxophonist and he'd been out with Woody Herman and a bunch of, you know, the great bands and they lived like a block away and they just befriended me uh, when we met and Bob started inviting me down to his weekly jazz brunch at Cafe Lou at 13th and 6th. And uh, through that, I got 
couple jobs with Warren Vachey, went to a few jam sessions. And so I found myself getting to play in New York and it was incredible. As you can imagine, yeah. the quality is extraordinary. I mean, everywhere you go, whomever you hear <clears throat> is just amazing. And, and in a very unassuming way, Bob and I were walking down the street one day uh, from a little jam session we'd done and heard a little live music and just a little neighborhood joint. And he said, I think that's Elliot Zygmunt on drums. And we went in and it was. Elliot Zygmunt played for years with Bill Evans, you know, just this legendary world-class drummer. And he's working for, you know, probably tips as far as I know mm -hmm. at this little neighborhood restaurant. And it's like that everywhere in New York. Uh, so it was stimulating creatively beyond belief. Oh, I can imagine. You mentioned the song At the Trocadero, and that's one of the songs in the album that you actually wrote. That's right. Could you tell us that story? Yeah. So um, I'm not a composer, but I am a lyricist. So I wrote the, the, the lyrics to this, and Wayne Hawkins, pianist on the album, wrote the music. Uh, the, the, the title comes from uh, a club that my parents went to, um, when they were dating. So they started dating 1955, dated for one year and then got married. And um, there was this little neighborhood club in Kansas City called the Trocadero. And it turns out I've done some research. It turns out there were Trocaderos all over the country. It was a very popular jazz club name at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I, I remember them talking about it every now and then, but the memory is rooted in one thing that they would say. Whenever they would hear a really great uh like sort of tenor saxophone that voo 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 kind of sound yeah the ballad sound that classic jazz uh ballad sound we'd be listening to something on the radio or a stereo or at a concert they would always say the same thing either my mom or my dad would say you know that's just the kind of music we used to hear at the truck mm. they always called it the truck and I didn't really think much of it but it, just over the years that became such an iconic phrase to me and in our family that uh, I started I started thinking about doing something with that. It was actually Olita Adams, who's a well-known um, uh, singer who had a huge hit in the 90s called Get Here. Her husband is John Kushan, who's my producer. And I would have these little creative sessions at their house when I'd go back to Kansas City. And, and one night, as we were working on the album, planning it, Olita said, now, you're going to do an original, aren't you? And I said, well, Olita, I don't really write. You know, I don't, I don't know that I've got anything. And she's like, you can do it. You've got a story you can tell. Just this brilliant, you know, yeah. boost of confidence. And on the plane ride home, I started thinking about how my folks always talked about at the truck. So I started sketching out uh, an idea for sort of telling their story of that summer of 55 and how they would go there and what it meant to them over the years. <clears throat> Makes me a little emotional um, because uh, I, I was able to get a rough cut of it uh, sort of a rough mix of, excuse me, uh, put together in time for their 63rd wedding anniversary oh, uh, in, in July of 2019 and uh, surprised them with that and told them the story that I had been trying to tell. And they were very moved and it was incredibly emotional for all of us. And then uh, we lost mom a few months later to brain wow. aneurysm and uh, dad a few months after that to COVID. And, you know, it's been really an interesting um realization to think about a line i wrote in the lyric it says time never slows it's bittersweet mission because i have them sort of aging throughout the song mm -hmm. and uh boy is that true you know i didn't realize how true it was because time took them but we uh, uh we got to hear that music together 
Well, let's listen to it at the Trocadero with John Armato. The night was young, and so was their future. His Chevy Coupe pulled up to the club. The music swung that sepia summer. A soundtrack for two people in love Glowing with light The club trucadero Cocktails and jazz that cool 50s craze Dancing was tight In front of the trio Music so smooth Just room to sway Saxophone hums
So, John, uh, tell us the backstory of a song called on your album, Memories of You. Yeah. Yeah. This is another one that's a little Love bit emotional it. for me. Love you know, it. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. It's it, it, it's really a, a fine moment, isn't it? I mean, there's some incredible playing on that uh, on that track by a guy named Lynn Zimmer, uh, clarinetist. Uh, Lynn has credentials with really great traditional and vintage swing kinds of uh uh, headliners like Turk Murphy and Al Hurt and Boots Randolph and he's a he's a Kansas City guy and um, the reason I did the tune is because back in the the 80s when I was working a ton musically in Kansas City there was about a 20-year stretch where uh, a piano player named Don Warner and a clarinet player named Steve Packey and I had a, a pretty almost standing gig most friday nights we played at the kansas city club which is kind of an old money society club uh, in downtown kansas city mm -hmm. and uh steve was a wonderful woodwind player uh and clarinet was his main axe and uh early on in that run i remember him playing memories of you the the, the tune that benny goodman made famous and i just loved the way he did it and so uh, over over the years, it uh, became rather predictable that I would request a tune, not a member of the audience, but I would request a tune of the band. I, I said, Steve, I want you to play Memories of You. I just love to hear him play it. Not long after I moved to New York, Steve passed away of pancreatic cancer. And um, just a real special guy that I miss a lot. And when we were working on the album, I thought, you know, I'd like to do a couple tributes to a couple of musicians that we've lost along the way. And one was Steve. The other is a baritone sax player named Kerry Strayer. And the tune Nightlights is a tribute to him. Uh, but when when I decided on doing Memories of You and tribute to Steve, you know, I had to figure out who's going to play it. And the consensus was you got to use Lynn Zimmer, um, who I had not worked with before, but knew by reputation. We went in the studio and I, I told Lynn, I said, look, 
you can do this tune however you want. The album is, is ballads, but you can, you know, play with the tempo, put it where you want it. Uh, it's just, it's about a tribute to Steve. That's, that's the only, you know, parameter. And um, I think we nailed it on the first or second take, no more than two wow. takes on that. And Lynn is just an incredible player. Command of the total register of the instrument swings his butt off. So musical. Um, and that was a real, that was a real pleasure. He's another one of those just amazing guest artists on the album. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. Song, Memories of you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the one person dead or love you'd like to work with in jazz you haven't worked with yet. Anybody? Well, let's see here. Uh, to, uh, currently, I just saw um, Kurt Elling in concert here in Sacramento a couple weeks ago, and I've been a Kurt Elling fan for a long time. Uh, he is just, he's innovative. He swings, he reaches back, he moves forward. Uh, he also has a penchant for the narrative interlude. Like I do, uh, I shouldn't compare myself. That's not what I'm trying to do, but, but, uh, I, I included some narrative interludes on my album and he, he kind of has a, a, a throwback to almost that, um, beatnik jazz uh spoken word kind of thing uh that he does sometimes that i always love but he's a guy that just i love everything he does and uh it you know that would be that would be a dream if i ever had an opportunity to play with him in terms of reaching back into the past uh I, i've got to say sammy davis jr and people are awesome. like that, that's not really a jazz guy but maybe one of the hardest swinging musicians ever uh in that magnavox console that my folks had was uh, an original um, DECA pressing of the 45 of Birth of the Blues. Crazy. Oh, Sammy. Oh, my gosh. Did that band swing? And um, I just can't. I couldn't get enough of that sound. I, I, I never saw him live. I wish I had. And if I could get in a time machine, I'd go back and do anything to play with him. You know what? He came into town, and my friend in radio today I said, hey, I got tickets to Sammy. Can you go? And I couldn't go that night. And that uh, was a lot. Oh. Yes. And I love his book, Hollywood in a Suitcase. One of yeah. the best biographies out there. That cat could do it all. Like, he oh. could do it all. I mean, even in print, yeah. comedy. And I, I, I have a soft spot for those old school entertainers, the triple yeah. threat, threat singer, I mean, dancer. Broadway. Yeah. Sammy Broadway, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, John, there was something else I want to talk to you about. Cool idea you had. It's like cocktails and jazz, that cool 50s craze. Tell us about that. So, uh, creative, yeah. John. yeah, thank you. Thank you. So that's that's a booklet of uh, original uh, craft cocktails inspired by the album. And uh, what triggered it was I wrote a line and at the Trocadero uh, called cocktails. The line is cocktails and jazz, that cool 50s craze. And it was sort of describing the setting of the Trocadero at the, at the beginning of the tune. And after I wrote it and we were playing it and rehearsing and stuff, I thought, you know, that's actually kind of a cool idea for a little uh, companion booklet uh, for the album, Cocktails Very and Very cool idea. And I work with a woman in my day job uh, named Amanda Fru, who is a recipe developer, uh, among other things, and uh, real, real has a real passion for mixology. And uh, I said, hey, Amanda, would you uh, be interested in creating a handful of cocktails based inspired by some of the tunes. So we, I, I chose uh, five tunes that I thought lent themselves to, uh, you know, a, a cocktail idea. Yeah. So like Dreamsville, we created the dream teeny in honor of Henry Mancini. And right. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, martini based uh, idea. That's, you know, 
when you think Henry Mancini and listen to Dreamsville and think about the 50s, you know, the martini is that right? Sure, so sure. she created the Dream Teeny, a twist on on that, uh, and and four other cocktails. And um, then another woman I work with named Trisha, uh, Trisha Juanitas, a very talented art director, photographer, graphic designer. Uh, she and Amanda worked together to do these beautiful custom photo shoots of these cocktails. And I wrote the copy for the the uh, the booklet, um, and Amanda wrote the recipes up, and we just created this cool little booklet. It's still available on the website, thedrummerlovesballads.com. Uh, go to the shop, and you can find it there. But it was just fun. It was something you know, no one needs it. It it it, 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 it costs more than I'm I'm ever going to make uh, back on it uh, to produce. But it was just fun, and I I love that idea of. You know how you used to sit down and look at a full LP and you'd read liner notes and open oh, up that, pictures? Yeah. And I like that, you know, that additional thing that you can kind of immerse yourself in while you're listening to the music. So that's a great idea. I it was a great <laughs> idea. And the drinks are really, really good too. <laughs> uh, Amanda would Amanda would bring a batch of them over to for me to taste test. And uh, I had to taste test some of them several times. <laughs> sure you did, Joey. Sure you did. <laughs> Another song on the album is Moonlight. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Sting recorded that. Words were by Bergman's and... Uh, by uh, that's right. Marilyn and Alan Bergman and yes. music by John Williams. Uh, oh, actually, the, right. interestingly enough, there, is, the, there are two Bergman Williams tunes on the album. Uh, Make Me Rainbows was an earlier uh, collaboration that goes back to 1967, and it's from the soundtrack of a movie called Fitzwilly. But then um, in the remake of Sabrina, you know, there was the original Sabrina uh, with Humphrey Bogart, but in the remake with Harrison Ford, um, the updated soundtrack includes this tune sung by Steam called Moonlight. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. tune. Mm -hmm. And I asked Paul Roberts, who had done some arrangements or was doing some arrangements the album, um, to do... Uh, sort of that Klaus Olgerman's sort of inspired Diana Krall type big orchestral arrangement um, for Moonlight. And so we've got a full string section and a bevy of flutes um, on this. And it's just a beautiful light bossa nova. And it's um, uh, there's an instrumental duet on the album. And this is a vocal duet. Um, so Molly Hammer, uh, who unfortunately uh, passed away uh, before the album was out as well, uh, it, uh, sings with Ron Gutierrez and the two of them together. Uh, just I always say they make they make me swoon. Their voices were just made to go together, and so we've got this gorgeous, big, lush arrangement of Moonlight. And um, you know, I'm tempted to try and pick favorites every now and then. And, you know, that doesn't go well because I love them all. Otherwise, exactly. I wouldn't put them on there. Yeah. But I've got a soft spot for Moonlight. It just it makes me just feel really good when i listen to it. oh it's fabulous it is fabulous john yeah Thanks. the album's called the drummer loves ballads just gonna read the liner notes speaking of liner notes yeah it's a beautiful thing the drummer loves ballads is the debut album of john armado featuring extraordinary music musicians and moods it was produced and engineered by some of the industry's top talent as john has talked about today the album was designed to be a new soundtrack for lazy sunday afternoons romantic evenings <laughs> and melancholy midnights <laughs> but you'll swear it's a long-lost jazz favorite. A unique full album listening experience now available on Amazon, iTunes, Pandora, and everywhere else you buy, download, or stream your music. John Armado, thanks for your time today. Keep smiling. Oh, listen, I can't thank you enough. It's been a real pleasure to be with you. Thanks for spending time chatting about the album. Thank you. This has been an episode of Jazz Spotlight with Ken Boyd, presented by Easy Jazz. 
www.ghostbusters.fm. <laughs>